Welcome to your friendly neighborhood college football podcast. Welcome to Whoa, Chatting whoa, Lions. whoa. Hey, wait, hey, 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 What? What? That is not your gig. This is what? not your that that is not your show, Alex. What, this is this we, is still a baseball podcast. I don't want to talk about baseball. Well, too bad. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Pam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big jump. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined, as always, by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how's it going today? What? Shaking bacon. Oh, not too much. Not too much. We had the, we saw the beginning and the quick end of two league championship series this week. So, so we did have some baseball to talk about it, despite the Braves not, uh, not participating this week. So we did have the Phillies and the Padres and then the, the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. Yankees Astros was Cam is, is what's a good term to describe what the Astros did to the Yankees uh took them behind the woodshed beat them like a scalded dog uh whooped them like a government mule <laughs> I like kicked it them ri- kicked them right in the teeth I don't know and and yet, and yet none of those are sh- quite strong enough to describe how badly the Astros did beat the Yankees, swept them in four straight games. Phenomenal pitching from the Astros throughout. Uh, oh, and, especially from their bullpen. Oh, yeah, their bullpen was was lights out. Like, their fifth guy was coming out there and, and throwing damn near perfect innings. Uh, uh, I, think, I think I saw a stat earlier that throughout the postseason so far, their bullpen has like a .82 ERA. It's, it's their, their entire bullpen. Their, their entire bullpen. Uh, their bullpen is doing what our bullpen was doing last season. Uh-huh. So the, the the Astros punched their ticket to the World Series yet again to meet the winner of the Phillies and Padres series. Padres had a home field advantage in this one, uh, despite being the wild card team. Phillies take the first game from the Padres two to nothing in San Diego. And it did not look like it was going to go well for the Padres from there. Luckily for the Padres, they were able to escape the series with game two, ended up winning eight to five, put some offense together and managed to even the series before going back to Philadelphia for three games. Uh, Unfortunately, this series would not head back to San Diego as the Phillies sweep all three games in Philadelphia punching their ticket to the World Series for the first time since 2009. Uh, yeah, so, you know, a little bit of controversy in the Friday night game on a check swing, but, you know, still we've, we've made the point before that just because one single call goes a different way does not mean things will play out necessarily differently in baseball. Uh, 
Saturday's game was not really close. And then Sunday's game was actually a really good kind of back and forth game. I didn't watch it. I kept up with it. But Bryce Harper comes in clutch in the bottom of the eighth for the Phillies. And, you know, he he's the kind of guy that has not necessarily had his postseason moment in his career for all of the moments that he has had so far over the past decade. You know, a postseason moment like that is something that he was missing, and he got it. And boy, did he get it! He, you know, he was in disbelief that he pulled that off. So, and and yet he may have been the only one in America who was, uh, because I think everyone watching that game knew that Bryce Harper was putting that ball out of the stadium in the eighth inning. Well, and then you know the questionable decision of leaving Josh Hader in the bullpen at that point, and I, I don't know. It, I think I don't think you can just pinpoint that one decision to why the Phillies lost or why the Padres lost that series. Rather, just because their their starting pitching just was not great at all. Um, yeah, bad series for the Padres, plain and simple. And the Phillies just continued to ride as the hot hand. Yeah, and I, I mean the the game that that the Padres really had to come out and win was Game Four. It was a bullpen game for both teams, and and the Padres ran uh, ran Mike Clevenger out there, who was a, a a big deal when they traded for him, but but had dealt with injuries for a while and and hadn't put together a, a full healthy season. But you were still the the Padres were still hoping they could get something out of him. Nevertheless, he was knocked out in the first inning, and and it was just the track meet that the Phillies won. Yeah, it really was. And I think there's something, you know, like him or not, there's something to be said about that crowd in Philadelphia, too. Um, oh, absolutely. They, they, that... they had a very, very good home field advantage. Those, those fans were, were clearly starved of postseason baseball and, and got everything they could have asked for. So I think I think the only weird thing is that you know both championship series ended really early. It feels like, and so now we sit here on a Monday night. You know, there's not another game till Friday. It is kind of strange. Like, I, I get why they do it, but you would think that they wouldn't set the the dates of the World Series until the 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 championship series are are set because say both of them are sweeps, you've got pretty much a whole week before the World Series starts. Why not move that up a couple of days and keep the fans a little bit more engaged? Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's, let's see. We we won the NLCS on a Saturday last year, and then, yeah, and then the World Series started on a Tuesday. Yeah, we had two, that, day, we was, had two days off. a pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have much rather have seen the World Series start, like, Wednesday night. Or something, but I get I get why you don't. But I don't know. I think I think a little flexibility there should be because guess what? Wherever you end up for game one of the world, it's going to sell out no matter what. Like no matter where you are. So I get like from a scheduling standpoint, like oh you know we need notice, but no, it, it'll be fine. So you got the Astros with home field advantage, obviously, because the Phillies only won eighty seven games this year. And boy, does that sound familiar. The Astros playing an 80-something win National League East team in the World Series. It's almost like we've seen that three out of the last four years, Cam. 
<laughs> okay, so let's, let, let, I guess let's go ahead and just dive into some World Series analysis here, right? So y'all know me, uh, world-renowned. <laughs> y'all know me, world-renowned Phillies hater, right? I'll say this: whatever the whatever the the result of the World Series ends up being, I'm going to come out a winner on top, and here's why. If the Astros, spin is going to be phenomenal. Hear me out. If the Astros win, then I get the pleasure of gloating that, oh, you're one of the three NLA teams that couldn't beat the Astros in the World Series. Ha ha, Philly. If the Phillies win, then we get to trample on the Mets even more. And because it's kind of funny. In in this situation, we get to t- we get to joke around about how the Astros just can't beat the NL East. <laughs> so you know, Cam I, Cam comes out on top as always. Uh, yeah, I, I I love that perspective. Got to got to keep a positive spin on things, and and that certainly does it. Uh, so yeah. so Cam, what is your prediction? Who wins and how many games? <sighs> This one's tough, I think, because if if 2019 and last year have taught me anything about the World Series, it's that there is something to be said about being the hot hand at the time, right? Because in, 20, in, in, in 2019, when, when the Nationals made the World Series, I was convinced that the Astros were going to destroy them. That, okay, you've had your cute little run, but the Astros, who have had a phenomenal season, they're going to mop the floor with you. Well, wasn't meant to be so. The Nationals carried the hot streak through seven games. You know, last year, I think we all knew that we had a shot at least, but being able to carry so much momentum from the regular season into the postseason like we did and getting hot at the right time, I think, you know, on paper, a lot of people still look at the Astros as the better team, and we, you know, disproved that. But I think it's the, I think there's a lot of that same argument to be made for this year, that Philadelphia is just so incredibly hot. They are on such a run right now that they're a dangerous team to go up against. I mean, look at who they've beaten, and beaten handedly, and that's coming from a Braves fan. Uh, but then again, too, I feel like this this might be the best Astros team we've seen in the World Series so far throughout this run of theirs. So, that being said, I'm going to go out on a limb. I could be wrong here. I'm going to say Astros in six. Okay. Okay. Not, 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 not too unthinkable there, but I, I'm – I'm in the same boat. My my question really is, do the Phillies have the arms to, to hang with the Astros? And and as Cam mentioned, the Astros bullpen is just is, is just going crazy this postseason. But but I'm mostly looking at starting pitching uh, because the, the Phillies have have a, a phenomenal one and two and a pretty good number three and absolutely nothing after that. You got you got Nola and Wheeler. And then you've got Suarez, and then you've got a massive black hole of starting pitching. 
that puts you into situations where you have to start Noah Syndergaard in a 2022 postseason game. Ooh. <laughs> and whereas when you look at the Astros, you've got Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, who we've talked about a lot this season, Lance McCullers Jr., Christian Javier, and you've even got Luis Garcia if you need a fifth starter. So they just have a, a wealth of starting pitching. And and I think that is going to be the difference in this series. Um, because if uh, if they can take one of those first two home games and then they manage to win one of the presumably two bullpen games that, that Philly's going to have to throw, they're in the driver's seat for the whole series. I'm... I'm a little more confident than you were. I'm I'm taking the Astros in five, Cam. That's fair. That's fair. And and I'll throw out there too that this 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 feels like such a weird matchup, right? Like it, it you know, not not to keep harping back to to 2019, but this, this really feels like that. So I feel like nothing nothing's going to surprise me here. Um, you know, if the Phillies were to win in seven, I would not necessarily be shocked. If the Astros go out and just continue being the wood chipper that they've been all postseason and win it in four, I wouldn't be shocked. How interesting of a story would that be? The Astros sweep the entire postseason. Has anyone ever done that? That's a really good question. I I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Nor can I. I'm, let, 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 me, let, me, let me dig into that while you pontificate a little bit more. Or are you searching it now? Searching. Clickety-clack, cows, that type. That was a children's book when I was growing up. I hope What's somebody remembers. Clickety-clack, cows, that type. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It was about cows that had computers or something. I don't know. There is only one team in the divisional era that has swept the entire postseason, and that's the 1976 Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, and that's, that was a darn good team. <laughs> uh, that's, that, was a, that was a pretty good team. Pull, pull, pull up the roster for that team. Let, let's, the let's 76 take a Reds? Yeah, yeah. They had to have been 100-game winners, right? Let's see here. So you're 102 talking... games that season. Okay. Catching was Johnny Bench. Yep. Tony Perez man in first base. Yep. Hall of Famer Joe Morgan at second. Yep. Dave Concepcion at shortstop. Pete Rose at third base. And then outfield was George Foster, Cesar Geronimo, and Ken Griffey Sr. Yeah, that's a that's a heck of a team. Let's see if there are any pitching names that I recognize. Uh, no, there are not. But they were good enough. as though their best pitcher was someone named Pat Zachary. Pat Zachary. You, you do not besmirch the name of Pat Zachary, damn it. Neither that nor Santo Alcala. I like it. I like it. I will say this. How, we, we didn't dive into it too much last week, I feel like. What... What was your emotional well-being like? Let's say that when the Braves got eliminated, I it didn't hit me like it's hit me in years past. Yeah, it it, it just I don't know. Like 
maybe it was because I still had that glow from the World Series of last year, but it, it didn't affect me much. I can agree with that, and and I've seen a lot of people say that, and I th- I've seen a lot of people use the rationale of you know that you just did that the World Series trophy is still recent enough that it numbs the sting a little bit. But I think another thing too that that I've thought about you know in, in watching us get eliminated and thinking back to last year and you know watching other teams continue have success this year is that. Winning the World Series is an incredibly challenging thing to do. Like, and and, and we you, talked about it at length. Like, it's as a fan, it is exhausting, especially when you have like that series against the Dodgers, where you're going out and playing late night West Coast games, and uh-huh. it just it drains you. It does. It does. And you know, for a team, you you, you literally have to have almost everything go right. You know, oh yeah, like so much has to go right for you. And I'm not talking about like avoiding necessarily bad things happening to you, quote unquote. I'm talking about like you have to be opportunistic. You have to be able like I, I, I tell you, and we, we've talked about it before and, and I've said it before. I think the moment that I knew we were going to win the World Series last year was when Eddie Rosario made that catch in left field in in game four. On, the one on where he side. got flipped around and kind of had to make an over-his-shoulder catch when yeah. he yeah. shouldn't have had to. Yeah. Any other year, that ball would have racked off the wall and Altuve would have had a double and the Astros would have gotten something going and we'd have been like, oh, of course, we just took the lead and now this is going to happen. Whereas he makes that catch – and suddenly you feel like how other teams have felt in previous years against the Braves. Because at that point, you knew that Astros fans were feeling what we felt in the, in the years past of like, why, how, why does this happen against my team? You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't know. I think, you know, the, the trophy being fresh is one thing, but I think too, you know, you have a you have a much more of an appreciation for what it actually takes to win that damn thing. Well, and and now, now we <clears throat> we know the feeling of of just having that magic in the postseason. Um, yeah, like because by the time we beat the Dodgers, I think we all had the feeling that. Like we could play the twenty seven Yankees and and nobody could beat us right now, and and it feels like every year there's a team that gets to that point. It's currently the the joy that Phillies fans are enjoying, um, but I, I think not having known that before, um, you know, knowing it now made it easier to deal with the team not making it further in the postseason. Well, and I I think too, like let, let let's think about the years past in this run that we've been eliminated. You get eliminated in 18 and that, that series is not even close. And you sit there and think, man, we are still a long ways away from getting this figured out. Like, sure. We won the division. We made it to the postseason, but we are not even close to being on the, on a championship level in 2019. And it would have taken like Matt's. It couldn't have gone down. We, we would have needed him. We would have needed Ozzy to be back healthy for the DS and be the spark that gets the rest of the offense going. And, 
And just when those things started not happening, you, yeah. you kind of got the feeling, well, uh, this doesn't, this doesn't have all of the ingredients that, that I remember having last year. Right, right. And then in 2019, you have the series against the Cardinals where it just felt like we had no breaks going our way and we could not get an opportunistic base hit. The offense feels bad. We don't have quality starting pitching like we need. And then 2020, it, you know, I think we were close, but we didn't have that killer instinct yet. But then we win it last year. And so I think part of getting eliminated this year, what numbs that sting just a tad too, is knowing that, like, we are more than capable of doing this. And we're only bound to get a little bit better, too. You know, like, it doesn't feel desperately like, oh, no, we missed our chance or something like that. Like, it certainly feels like we're not going anywhere. You know what right. I mean? And and I'll I'll phrase that in a way that a lot of people might find odd. Uh, but the way we lost this postseason was kind of the ideal way to lose. Because we avoided what, in my opinion, are the two worst possible scenarios. Scenario one is where you're clearly the better team and you lose very close games against them. That's the most frustrating. Right. Scenario two is is when the Cardinals come in and spring 11 on you in the first inning out of nowhere and you just get absolutely demolished in a game that you weren't expecting to. Those those yeah. are horrible, horrible ways to end your season that, that leave you with a sting that lasts until the next season. Well, we kind of lost the series that we were supposed to lose. We were not the better team in that series. No, um, no, we, we weren't. weren't competitive in in a great many of those games no yeah we weren't at all and I think you look up and you see that the team that you lost to is now heading to the World Series I think it just again reinforces the idea that you like even even if we had the wrong strength could we have done anything against what appears to be the team of destiny yeah I don't know I don't know yeah I I I mean, was I upset that we got eliminated? Of course, because I want to see another run. But it was nothing like – it was certainly nothing like 2020, and it was definitely nothing like 2019. No, no, not at all. Well, we obviously want to see another one in in uh, in 23 for the Braves, but the, the roster is going to look quite a bit different, and – we have reached the time of year where we have to start looking at roster scenarios for the 2023 season. So, so Cam, uh, we'll do it this way. I've, I've got a list of all of the Braves that are going to be free agents in this upcoming offseason. Okay. Uh, and then I've got a list of the available free agents for the big positions. So I'll, uh, we'll, we'll start there and, and let me know who you think you'd like to replace these guys with. So out of the bullpen, we're losing Kenley Jansen. Luke Jackson is no longer under contract. Jesse Chavez and Darren O'Day. So that is a that is a big chunk of bullpen that's that's going to be missing. Luckily, it seems like for the Braves, they don't have to look at the closer position because Rysel Iglesias seems to be tailor made for it. 
So that being said, there are some big name free agent relief pitchers available. If you did want to go the closer route and spend some money, guys, the best closer from last season is on the market. Edwin Diaz is a free agent. Cam, do you see there being any chance of the Braves bringing Edwin Diaz and his trumpets into Atlanta? No, I, I think I think he stays in New York. I, I truly, you know, it's already been thrown out there that Steve Cohen is already talking about how much he's just going to rip the checkbook open this offseason. And I think that's one of their signings. I think you have to, if you're the Mets, you have to keep that guy because that was a, that was a, big, a, a big point, you know, this year for your winning season that you had is having a closer like him. So I think you got to, I think you got to keep him in some way. I think uh, I don't mind the idea of the Mets re-signing him, honestly, because the uh, dot com is uh, is projecting his market value at over sixteen million dollars a year for whatever upcoming contract he signs. So if the Mets do make a long term commitment to Edwin D- Diaz, they could end up spending just a ridiculous amount of money to get him. They could, they could, and I, I absolutely foresee them doing some ridiculous spending this year. So hold on to your butts, Braves fans. You're going to be seeing their name in the news quite a bit, I would assume. Um, no, I think uh, I think O'Day is gone um, just because, you know, after that phantom injury he had halfway through the season, we didn't necessarily see him again except hanging out in the dugout, um, which, I mean, you, you got to wonder if he's about to call it a career anyway. He's right at that point. It feels like uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if Kenley's gone. Um, you know, it, it, we had a good season with him, but I I, I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know if he settles for another one year deal at this point because I don't foresee us giving uh, I don't see I don't foresee us giving him any more than one more year. Uh, I I I'd like to see Chavez back just because he fills his role well and I can see Luke being back on a, on a small one-year deal just to see how things are progressing by that point, assuming that he would be ready by spring training. So um, let me rattle off a few of the top free agent reliever names and, and let me know if any of these sound reasonable to you for Braves acquisitions. Aroldis Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, Zach Britton, Corey Knable. Will Harris, Trevor May, Taylor Rogers, Brad Hand. I mean, I I could certainly see us signing a guy like a Trevor Rogers or maybe a Brad Hand, but I don't think it, you know, both of them are kind of in the downward slope of their career. Um but, you know, folks said the same thing about a guy like Tyler Matzik. So, I don't know. Uh, I could certainly see us signing one of them as kind of a late innings type of guy. And and there is a, a quite a long list of, uh, of available relief pitchers. So, uh, we've, we've still got, you know, Minter and, and uh, Iglesias to anchor those last couple of innings. And, and with the amount of free agent relievers there are, I don't think Alex Anthopoulos is going to have too difficult of a time uh, refilling that spot. So from there, we'll move on to the starting pitcher spot. Uh, the Braves, uh, the Braves will be losing Jake Odorizzi, presumably. Uh, oh, 
pending uh, his decision on his player option for the 2023 season. So one of two things can happen. Either Jake can accept his option and play for the Braves next season for $12.5 million, or Jake can decline his option. The Braves have to buy him out for $6.5 million, and then he can go test the market. So if he opts out, all he would have to do on the open market is get $6 million uh, for 2023 or more, and he would make more money that way. So it seems it seems like conventional wisdom would say that Odorizzi is going to opt out. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree. Which um, which I don't think you'll hear too many Braves fans complaining about. Future Detroit Tiger Jake Odorizzi. <laughs> so uh, the Braves have internal options here. They don't necessarily have to go out and get a starting pitcher. You've still got Max Fried and Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton coming back. And you've got you've got guys in in Gwinnett that can fill uh, that fifth starter role, whether whether it be Bryce Elder or Kyle or uh, Kyle Muller or or any number of other pitchers they have. But you know you you always want to add starting pitching whenever you have the opportunity to do so. Obviously, there is one name that's been kicked around this season that everybody's going to be talking about until he makes a move, and that is Jacob DeGrom. Michael Fulmer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez. Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer is the classic tale of player did not get traded soon enough. Right. <laughs> All right, so... Let's look at some of the bigger names that are going to be on the free agent market for uh, for starting pitchers. Clayton Kershaw is going to be back on the market. Uh, he's going to command quite a bit of money because he's coming off a pretty good season with the Dodgers despite some injury troubles. Nathan Ivaldi, uh, at 33 years of age, will be on the open market. Carlos Carrasco, Sean Manaya, Kyle Gibson, Andrew Heaney. Michael Walker, Jamison Tyone, Mike Clevenger, uh, Johnny Cueto, Martin Perez, amongst others. So there are starting pitchers out there. Um, Cam, everyone, every Rays fan would say, yes, I want DeGrom. So we'll just skip right past that. Um, If you're picking a starting pitcher from the list that I just just rattled off there, uh, what who would you be interested in? Johnny Cueto. I'm still interested in Johnny Cueto. I still want him. I, I wanted him last season. I want him. This you know, season. He, he without necessarily looking cl- too closely at his numbers, I don't feel like his production is down all that much. Obviously, he's not Johnny Cueto of old, but like, no, but he's he's a he's a good veteran fifth starter kind of guy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. I think. I think Eovaldi would be a sneaky good pickup. Ivaldi would be a good pickup. Uh, what do you yeah. think about a 30-year-old Noah Syndergaard? Hmm. I still debate that. So, like so, like so yes, much. we've we've seen closer than most the the injury issues that he's battled for his his entire career. But at this stage of his career, I I, I think I I can't imagine you would have to pay him that much and at 30 years of age there's still every reason to believe that his best days could be ahead of him. It, I mean, it, it would, it would be a, it, and, and we talked about it last year too. 
like it feels like a prime candidate for that Alex Anthopoulos one year try it deal. You know what I mean? Yep. He he feels like a prime candidate for that. But he could also be Cole Hamels, so who knows? <laughs> the greatest con man in the history of baseball. All right, so uh, the, uh, one of the bigger spots the Braves are going to need to address is going to be their outfield. You're losing, obviously you lost him for most of this season, but you're losing Adam Duvall, you're losing Robbie Grossman, um, and you're losing Alex Dickerson, who you had stashed in uh, in AAA as a backup for them. So you definitely need at least one, maybe multiple outfielders to fill out your roster for the next season. So the the big the biggest names on the market are going to be, of course, Aaron Judge and then Michael Brantley and Joey Gallo. Uh, but then you've also got got some great players out there that are going to be available, like Andrew Benintendi, Mitch Hanniger, Brandon Nimmo, Jock Peterson, uh, Tyler Naquin, a, a, a bunch of names that we've all heard. So so there's going to be the ability to fill out an outfield with, with some good names. Uh, I know we all want to see Jock Peterson back, especially seeing the the tear he went on to open this season. Um, Andrew Benintendi's another great one. Uh, Cam, is this a spot where you could see us diving into the deep end at all? No, and I I don't I don't know if I necessarily see us diving into the deep end. Period, because our our payroll is already so high, and I know Terry McGurk has said that like he's going to get us in the top five payroll, but like I don't know if the one big move is necessarily there for us because I don't I don't see us getting judged, and I don't see us getting a uh, Degrom. Um, I think in terms of the outfield, I, I would love to to bring Robbie Grossman back on like a small like two year kind of deal, similar to what we did with Adam Duvall a couple seasons ago. And then I would, uh, I think a Mitch Hanniger or an Andrew Benintendi would just fit in extremely well. Like one of Get, one bring, of them. Bring guys. me, bring me one of the two of them and Jock Peterson and call it an outfield. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean you with Jock, you, everyone knows what he brings to the clubhouse and if he can hit some dingers for us, fantastic. With Benintendi and or Hanniger, you're adding a real impact piece to that lineup that that you are missing for the vast majority of this season. So, well, and, uh, and, and you're adding serviceable, names. you're adding serviceable defense too, which has been lacking in our outfield this year. Which is why Ronald had to play so much right field. You know, if if you can put a just a more serviceable defender in the outfield, then you allow Ronald to be the DH more often. And then you don't have to turn to a Ozuna or a Rosario as often, you know. I, I think Eddie, I think Eddie finds it again. I think this year was just kind of a wash for him with everything that went on. Um, but you know, I, I the less that I think we have to see Ronald in right field, the better I'm going to feel. So bolstering the defense in that area can only make things better. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I'm going to be watching spring training next season very closely to see how how Ronald's running and see how how a full off season at a hundred percent kind of kind of puts him onto the field for spring training. So that that'll be that'll be very interesting and go a long way into determining whether or not I I agree with you on Ronald being our uh, our long term DH. All right. So moving on from there to. 
the elephant in the room, the biggest position of need for the Atlanta Braves going into 2023, the position that's going to be the most talked about this offseason around Major League Baseball, and that is shortstop. Dansby Swanson has spent his entire career as an Atlanta Brave, and he's a free agent now. Uh, he is on the market at 29 years of age. And there's a very real chance we may have already seen his last game in an Atlanta Braves uniform. So so with that understanding, we go into this offseason with, with some big names available for that position. So obviously you have the option of bringing Dansby Swanson back if you can reach a deal with him. But you also have Trey Turner out there. You've got Carlos Correa, who, who's opting out and will be back on the market. You have Xander Bogarts. Uh, worst comes to worst, you have Jose Iglesias out there. There, there, are, there are names uh, of, of shortstops that you can get without missing a beat and losing Dansby. Uh, it's just a question of how much we're going to spend to do it and, uh, and, and what the deal is going to look like. Correa would be huge. Um, Correa would I, I don't, be massive. I, I, I don't think it can be understated how massive that would be. And I feel like if you – kind of contradicting what I said a while ago, I feel like if you are going to make that splash move, that's it. It's Yeah, it's it's got to be the Correa move. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm – I'd be happy with Trey Turner. I'd be happy with Xander Bogarts. I, I think in my order of preference, I would go Correa one, Swanson two, Bogarts three, Turner four. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because contrary to probably what popular belief is, Trey Turner is not an incredible defender. He's not. He's not. In fact, top. his his defensive metrics are are bad. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so yeah, and and that's something that our starting pitching has relied on a ton. And having a guy at shortstop like Dansby Swanson, who's basically just a vacuum cleaner out there, allows your starting pitching a little more freedom to to pitch to contact and and not have to be as perfect. So, so to go from Swanson to Turner would be a huge step back for a lot of our young pitchers. And, and really the main reason I, I would put Turner at, at number four on that list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's completely fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I think, it, I think if you, if you do bust the checkbook open on a move, I, I think Correa is it. Um, you know, I don't think you do it for for Judge necessarily, given what he's going to command. I don't think you do it for Degrom, given what, you know. I, I think of all the quote big deals, Correa is probably going to be the most affordable that's coming because who knows what the Mets are going to end up giving Degrom, and who knows what the Red Sox may end up giving Judge because that's that's that, that's my prediction of where he goes. Oh my goodness. The new curse it. of the Bambino. I need it so bad. <laughs> they it's, have the money. They have the money. They can do it. I need it. I need it so bad. The here's the thing, and and I know 
there's money that's going to be freed up for the for the Yankees to spend in free agency. Plus, they're the Yankees, so they're just going to spend money anyway. That being said, I think the the Yankees team that we saw win over 100 games this year, I think they have a chance to take a massive step back next year. Oh, absolutely they do. Because I, I mean, it's 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 not it's not just Judge that you could potentially stand to lose. Uh, I mean, you're also looking at Jamison Tyone, who was a who was a great uh, like number three starter for the Yankees this season. Um, that's a huge hole you have to fill. A um, lot of moving parts for for the Yankees, and I I almost think they have too many spots that they have to fill for one off season. Yeah, I mean, realistically you could upgrade at first base because I know they love Rizzo as a guy, but he didn't have a great year this year. Shortstop is a, is a black hole for them right now. They have to get one of those big four shortstops too. have to. I I think they do. And uh, I just, I don't know if they're, if they re-sign judge, I really don't. And it's going to be fascinating to watch if they don't, because you're talking about a fan base that is already just so sick of their. Oh, they're ready manager. to walk through the Bronx with torches and pitchforks. It's oh, it, already. They are, and, and honestly, rightfully so. They're very mad because this regime of of Hal Steinbrenner and and uh, Brett and uh, Aaron, Brian, Aaron Boone Brian Cashman. and Brian Cashman, yeah has had more than enough opportunity to put together a, a winning team and has just not been able to do it. Yeah, it, it, it's the missed opportunity thing for them, right? Because um, it's, it's never been about not having the money or having to, to uh-huh. you know, get creative with your salary and everything. Like, that's, it's the Yankees. They never have to worry about that. So, so when that factor is at play and you still can't put a good team together, God, how long can your leash possibly be? I mean, this is a team that could and should have ended up with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, if if we're being honest. The fact that they didn't end up with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, or Carlos Correa in his first free agency is completely mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And those are those are moves that the Yankees historically have made. So so yeah, to see them flounder in the postseason like they have these last couple of years. Uh, it, it's, it's strange to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think the Braves should go after Carlos Correa is the point I was making there. Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a couple of quick notes before, uh, before we sign off for the day, the Texas Rangers have brought a fresh <laughs> face into the organization. <laughs> This bothers me so much. We always like to see uh, an injection of youth into the game. Bruce Bochy is now the new manager of the Texas Rangers. Cam, instant reaction. Just, just stay retired, man. Like, come <laughs> on, Bruce. What, what, what are you, what are you doing, guy? Like, I, um quite different from Tony La Russa. I have the utmost respect for Bruce Bochy. Oh, I absolutely do as well. C- come on, man. Like, go, just go, go be retired. Just, just go and that do it. That being said, 
here is here is what I wish I could see with the Texas Rangers. Now that it's not going to happen. Bruce Bochy, stop, stop. Before you even go, it's not going to happen. I've seen everybody speculate like, oh, Bruce Bochy, this is what this means. No, it doesn't. No, no, no. Okay, here's what I'd like to see. Okay. So I want Bruce Bochy to, to bring in Tony La Russa as a bench coach. Oh, God. I want him to swindle Buck Showalter away from the Mets. Um, and just put together the the oldest, whitest coaching staff you possibly can and watch that team win 40 games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, man. Just put together the ultimate baseball traditionalist coaching staff and and just look at how awful the team will be. Yeah. No, I I don't think... No, I I, th- I think this I don't think this is going to be the same situation like what happened with the the White Sox and bringing Larusa in. Um, firstly, because you know Bochi hasn't been out of the game that long like Larusa had at that point. I, you know, I, I I think Bochi will do fine, but I I've seen the implication that the Rangers getting a guy like Bochy at the helm is now suddenly going to be a, a magnet for all of these free agents coming up this year. And I just, I don't see that because the, the we've seen it already. The Rangers don't know how to spend their money at all. So I don't know, whatever. They still, so got let, me, let me ask they still, you another, they still got great uh, uniforms. I'll give them that. coaching staff related question. Cam. Yes. On opening day for the Atlanta Braves in 2023, what Atlanta Brave coach is going to be standing in between third base and the visiting dugout? Mm. It very well might be Eric Young. I don't know. Uh... How likely do you think it is that the Braves are able to hang on to, to Ron Washington through one more postseason? I feel like we've played on bar. I, I feel like we've like played with borrowed time for two years already with with Wash. Which, like, if he if he goes elsewhere and he takes a manager, I will be like thrilled for the guy. Oh uh, yeah, like, I'll be like, I'll be rooting for hell like him as long as he's not uh, managing a Braves rival. Yeah, but I mean, where what other openings are there right now? Because San Francisco. Angel... What? San Francisco, right? No. I thought Kapler they got rid there. of Kapler. Did they? Um No. I could have sworn that they had. Did I miss a chance to celebrate something? Hang on. <laughs> That's mean. I shouldn't say that. They hired a new general manager. Uh, he he's he's still the manager with San Francisco. Oh, okay. Never mind. I, Wishful thinking. Well, the White Sox, but apparently they're meeting with Ozzie Guillen this coming week. Oh, I, I saw that. Like, what? Stay retired. Just they, stop. How? Why are they so insistent on living in the past? I don't know. You have one of the most youthful teams in all of baseball. Oh, oh man. Know. Let's get the oldest, least exciting manager yeah. we can possibly find. Although I will say... Uh, I, I would relish the opportunity to see Ozzy Guillen doing post game interviews again. That is true. That is true. That could be. He is, uh, he is an artist. 
uh, when it comes to post-game interviews. Uh, and oh, hopefully no. we'll, oh, uh, no. we'll, we'll have some of those to bring to you next season. Uh, and that's going to do it for this Alex. week. On... What? I just, I just realized something. What? The Marlins have an opening. Oh, God. <laughs> Cam, why, why would you speak wash to the Marlins into existence? Oh, God, it's totally going to happen now. Hey, I think the Royals fired Mike Matheny. <laughs> I think. In his tiny little arms. No, that's no Mike. No, he didn't have the tiny arms. It was the guy that was hired after Mike Matheny. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Mike. Mike, Mike Matheny does not have atrophy. He's, he's, oh, okay. he, he, he's a healthy. <laughs> he's a healthy lad. All right. Well, as you can tell, this one's going off the rails. So we're gonna end that. Wait, right here. wait, wait. What? We gotta let them know what's coming next week. What's coming next week, Cam? You've all asked for it. Nobody asked for it. Okay, well, I'm bringing back Cam's Halloween Spectacular next week. We're going to do another Halloween episode. Spooky hours. Gird your loins. (laughs) And you can tune in right here next week for Spooky Hours edition of the Chatting Average podcast. So for Cam, I'm Alex. We'll see y'all next week for another brand new episode. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast, brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>